0: Let me add my welcome to everyone. Uh, so glad you're here today at Fellowship with us. Uh, before we go into our text, I want to pause a moment. Uh, we got to, you know, there are a lot of moving parts often on, on the weekends and holidays. And I want to pause in light of our holiday today. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I don't think it's really an exaggeration to say that <laughs> for most of us, Memorial Day is now about sales and summer. And, you know, I'm not going to bash that at all. I mean, it's just it's just where we are culturally, but I want us to think for a moment. Memorial Day is a day in which our government has set aside that we might remember those who died in battle, those who died while serving in the military. That's sobering. There's... Those of us in the room are, are maybe one or two persons, if not immediately, uh, connected to that, where someone that we know was in the service and gave their life. What a commitment. Uh, it, you know, Here's the gospel, their life given that we get to do what we do here today, and celebrate the freedoms we do in this country uh, with its flaws as any country has and yet the great freedoms we enjoy. And so I want you to bow your heads one more time. And uh, would you take a moment, and I'll let you express your own gratitude for the, really, there are some names you could connect to it, but probably many of us don't have a name we would go to, but there were moms and dads who did not come home, and I want us to recognize and offer our word of thanks. Would you do that for a moment? Father, in this silence, we are honoring those who gave their lives in battle, in conflicts that we don't remember, and yet the cost to some families was the greatest cost that could be given loss of a son a daughter a husband a mom lord in the mystery of your providence we we know that you reign and rule and there has not been a moment's in t- there's not been a moment in time that conflict has not raged somewhere in the world from the very beginning and we sit here today living and living in this country where we enjoy tremendous freedoms and opportunities. Let us not take those for granted and let us be mindful even today and this weekend. Many, many are out this weekend because it is a holiday, but I pray the holiday itself would not blind us to the meaning of the day. Comfort families, comfort individuals who on this day, uh, it's it's a harder day and make us more deeply aware that there is no freedoms we enjoy without the costs of others. And Lord, might I ask that you would make us aware of what we need to pay, what it might cost us to ensure that our children, grandchildren, Get the benefit of the blessings we live under. In Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, let me add to uh, that introduction to Scott Henderson and say, I'm so thrilled that Scott is here. Can I, you know, if you're a guest here, we have two congregations at Fellowship: a Brentwood congregation and a Franklin congregation. Scott has been serving at the Brentwood congregation. And I am miffed that he's leaving the Brentwood congregation because that's where my family worships, you know, on a regular basis. And uh, I've watched him build into and pour his life into our students. And uh, I could not be more grateful that he will be doing it at this congregation for years to come. With that, let's open our Bibles, please. Open to the book of James. James chapter one, verse one. Some of you are saying, we just finished James last week. We did. Rob took us through, uh, you know, the the very last two verses of the book of James. We've been in the book of James since January. It's what we do at Fellowship. We study through books of the Bible. And our concern this morning is not so much the text in this way. You know, what does the text mean? Because that's what we do every week. This is going to be a different morning. Let me say that up front. It's a different morning in this sense. We're going to focus more on not what the text means, but how has the text changed us so i'm not going to teach a message the message is the question how has the text of james changed us y'all we don't study the bible to know the bible we don't study it to be informed we we study we put ourselves under the authority of God's word in order that that word by the power of the spirit would change us, I mean, would transform us. And apart from that, then we're just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not meaningless, but it has no power. So we're asking today, how has James changed us? I wanna begin by setting the context of James itself, James chapter one, verses one to four. That We started this in January so when I taught these, these four verses. James writes, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We noted, and I wanna remind you, James begins his letter by saying the Christian life The life of faith is a life of continuous, unending trials and challenges. Uh, That's not meant to be like a downer. That's meant to be a statement of biblical reality. That is the Christian life, the trials and challenges of life that God brings us. And I I don't necessarily like it, but we can't escape that this is God's means of, what does James say? Making us perfect, complete. That's how he does it, through trials and challenges. Now, when we say making us perfect, don't miss that that word is making us mature. It's not, you know, no Christian ever is perfect. It's not making us without flaw or sin. It is that we become whole we become complete, we become more like Jesus. The Christian life, in the simplest of terms, is coming to faith in Jesus. It's that point in time where we believe, a person believes, Jesus, you lived the life I couldn't and you died the death I earned by my sin. You were buried and you rose again and I believe what you did, Jesus, you did for me. And in that moment, we are born again. We spend the rest of our life on this planet becoming more of who we already are in Jesus. That's the Christian life. And you know, you'll note here that if we're gonna move through these trials and challenges, what James makes clear, this is the whole book, you know, in a sentence, is you gotta have a faith that works if you're gonna move through these trials and challenges and become more like Christ. Notice chapter two, verse 14. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, or in other words, in the same way, Faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. In other words, faith, if it doesn't lead to an action, is worthless. Said another way, if you you say you believe something, but your life, the way you live, doesn't, doesn't even come close to what you say you believe, then you don't have belief. That's a false faith. And so at the very beginning of the study, do you all remember this? Uh, we gave everyone in church, everyone got a silver dollar, the real McCoy, the real, a real silver dollar. And it was a simple way to put in our pockets a reminder through this whole series and beyond that in the same way that this coin has two sides, biblical faith has two sides, Biblical faith means believe. I I know something. I believe intellectually something is true. But the other side of biblical faith is my belief shapes my choices and my actions. So biblical faith, like this coin, has two sides that can't be separated. That's the point. If I rubbed and, you know, if we took off this side of this uh, silver dollar, then I would have a piece of metal. I wouldn't have a, dollar with value. And in the same way, if you seek to remove your actions from what you say you believe, then you don't have biblical faith. That, that's the whole message of James. Will you encapsulate it? And he says, well, if you're going to grow and become more like Christ through the trials and challenges of life, you need a faith that works. I've got our wholehearted board up here. If you're a guest, I know this is new to you, but for us as a church, this is, this is no pun intended, the heart and soul of who we are as a community of faith. And I want to to, to go to it simply for this reason. We're talking about a faith that works. And I want to show you how a faith that works shows up in the mission of Fellowship Bible Church. Every church on the planet has the same mission in this way. Every church to glorify God and make disciples. That's why the church exists. Every church will express that in a unique way. I mean it's why I would I wouldn't hesitate to tell one of you, "Hey, if you plug in better at Rolling Hills, go to Rolling Hills. If you want to go, you know, there're other churches to go to cuz I know what they're doing." Now they're going to they're going to make disciples based on their gifting and passions and wiring and who, who God puts in their bodies, makes sense? So our unique expression of mission for us is we're gonna glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. And you go, well, okay, what's distinct or unique about that? Well, that's, that's our passion and longing. It's our call, we believe, of God. And we use that word wholehearted very intentionally. Here's what we know the Bible teaches. Man, if you start thinking of the word heart, you will be shocked how many times that word is mentioned in your Bible. 99.999% of the time, it's not referring to the organ of the heart. It's referring to the immaterial part of a person that is who they are that is who they are. It's it's talking about the control center of your life. It's talking about the core identity of who you are. It's called in the Bible, the heart. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, he's not saying love the Lord your God with all your emotions, all your passions. No, he's saying love with all your heart. Well, what is the heart in the Bible? Take the word heart, unpack it through scripture, and you will note that the heart, okay, is comprised of these four parts, if you will. The heart is our thoughts. When you, the Bible speaks of the heart, it talks, it's speaking of the mind. It'll be translated mind sometimes. It's our thoughts. But the heart is also our emotions, our feelings. And when I say that, please understand this. You could no more divorce yourself of feelings than you could divorce yourself of oxygen. We are made in the image of God. God is an emotional feeling God and it's a part of our heart. But the heart is also our desires. It is our deepest longings and desires. You understand that being made in the image of God, God created us with longings. If I just pick three and there's, you know, you could probably put them in a, in a package of seven, but let's just go here. We were made for relationship. That's, that's, that's being made in the image of God, which means we long to belong. We were made for a significant work. Look at the, what God did in creation and put Adam and Eve in the garden. We were made to do a work that really matters. I might put the word significance on that. Do you know we were made to be secure? We weren't made to live fearful in lack we were made for security. So just take those three, we desire them. Well, when you, know, you live out of your desires, and I'll talk about this in a moment, and our fallen desires, do you know what we do? We so want to belong, we'll do things that are contrary to God in order to feel like we belong. I mean, this is where we go sideways with these things. But the heart again, it's our thoughts, emotions, desires, and the heart, by the way, is our choices. That that, that out of the heart, we choose. You know, we call this, you know, our volition, our will. Understand it's a part of the heart. Now, here's the problem. We're all born with broken hearts. Theologically, we come out of the womb with our hearts blown apart and separated. Lord, what do you mean we come out of hearts? Well, we come out of our hearts with our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices separated, not integrated, not together, The psalmist says in Psalm 86, 11, oh God, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name, an undivided heart. Now, the the idea is this, is that in our fallenness, we will often live our life, okay, watch this. I'm gonna hit three spots on this. We will often live our life with our thoughts and our will, our choices, but we will ignore our feelings and desires. And you know what happens when we do that? I'll put it in a Christian context. The Bible says that I'm gonna do it. The Bible says that I'm gonna do it. The Bible says that I'm gonna do it. And we we can become legalists. We're just living out of our thoughts and our will. God said that I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna tell you, you can do that for a while, but you will come to the point where it doesn't work anymore. And I would call that legalism. You know, we can live out of our emotions and choices. How about this? And we do. Again, it's unconnected. So you're living out of your emotions and choices, unconnected to desires and thoughts. And that means you live by your feelings. I feel this, so I'm gonna do this. Man, when I feel this, I'm gonna do this. And I would call that hedonism, that we're just gonna go by our feelings. Well, God never says live by your feelings. You know what he says? Experience your feelings. They're neither good nor bad. They're feelings. It's how God has feelings. That's, that's it. I'd call that hedonism if we're just living out of emotions. And I would say this, you know, when you live out of your desires and they're unconnected to the truth of God's word, and, and people do this, we do this, I'd call that narcissism in this sense because what you desire you go after regardless of truth and regardless of the people around you. And a narcissist will chew up people and find new ones to feed themselves because you're just living out of your desire, but you're unconnected to the truth. Does this make sense? You know, so it's it's a divided heart. Now, the only thing that can unite the heart is that we need to get a new heart. And Jeremiah says in the new covenant in Christ, we get a new heart. And so I would draw it like this at fellowship. We would say, you know, only the cross, only the cross can put our hearts back together, the cross alone. In Christ Jesus, we are born again. We have a new heart and our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices can be united. But you know what? A lot of times they're not, even in our, in, in, as Christians. And that's the Christian life, is learning to walk with a whole heart. Everybody with me? If I drew it, I would draw it something like this. If, our, if the heart was thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices, the Christian life is saying, God, what does your word say? And we submit ourselves to the word of God. Here's the truth. God, I believe the truth. It is to be aware of what you're feeling. You cannot separate the emotional life from the spiritual life. That's death. That's depression. That's neurosis. That's being sick. No, you feel what you're feeling and you're aware of the emotions of your world and life. You don't feel something that, oh, I'm gonna go do it. No, you just feel it and you're aware of it. And then you bring the gospel to your desires. And now you're asking the question, Jesus, you satisfied this desire in me. I wanna belong so bad. I wanna feel needed. I'm gonna look at pornography. Ooh, that, that no, you see, that's, that's going after that desire, that's satisfying it in the wrong way. No, Jesus, you are my deepest satisfaction. I only, I'm only deep, fully satisfied in you. Jesus, come right here in this. I'm feeling this, but I know you meet this need. My deepest desire is satisfied in Jesus. And when I'm satisfied in Christ, the choices I make in life, you know what the choices I make in life begin to look like? they begin to look like Christ-like decisions in my life because I'm living from my whole heart. And that's what we do at Fellowship. That's where we're going. That's who we are, helping people find whole-hearted life in Jesus. Now, what happens when a group of people begin to live this way? Can I say it? And we've talked about this. You know, there's some characteristics of people who live this way. The first is, as Paul said, we begin to live with a renewed mind. How about Romans 12, 1? Be transformed by the renewal. You can't can't take your mind out of the equation. No, we gotta be renewed by the truth. We begin to live out of healthy relationships. We begin to live from satisfied desires. And our lives begin to be marked by active faith. Oh my. And now we've just hit on the complete theme of James. (laughs) Active faith. Here's all I'm gonna do in the next few moments. We're gonna look at three pictures of active faith. Three pictures of active faith out of a whole heart. Right when we started the series, soon after we gave you a coin, you came into the the room and um, everyone got an envelope. Everyone in the church got an envelope. Adults, kids sitting in the room got an envelope. In that envelope was a $5 bill, a $10 bill, or a $50 bill. You didn't have it when you came in. It wasn't yours. You were gifted it. And the question was this, will you take this gift will you pray, this was the point, and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to show you where to give that uh, gift, where, where to meet a need. That, that was it, that's all we did. So we said, You know what, would you, would, you do, would you live active faith with this and just give it? And we said this, pray, trust the Holy Spirit, and do it this week. So it wasn't like, you know, do this, you know, sometime this year, give this $5, $10, $5, $20 or, or um, 50 away, or It a $10, $20, 50 away. And you guys did it. Now, there are so many stories, you all. Uh, again, it's active faith. I want you to look at four very brief stories of what God did in you and through you as you took this step of faith. Watch this video.
1: So um, I was at work on Monday right after um, church on Sunday, and uh, usually I'm late at work really late in the evenings, and there's a lady that comes in to clean in my office every day, and I've, over the time over time i've asked her her name and said hello to her Um, and on monday when she came in i gave her my trash can as usual and just said hello and she walked out and i just kept working on my laptop and as soon as she walked out two minutes later the holy spirit said that's the person you're supposed to give the money to and i was like well i never even thought about it and so at that moment the way the lord worked on my head i had to up courage to get out of my seat, go find her in the hallway because she had left her my office area. And I walked up to her and told her what God was doing in that church and that the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to bless her with it. Um, and so it was just interesting to me that even though I had prayed that God would show me, I was taken aback when He literally said, that's the person I want you to give the money to. It just stirred in my heart to trust that when I asked God to show me something or to point out something to me, he would in a very clear way. I think I was just kind of surprised at how clearly, cause she had left my office. I talked to her every day when she comes by. It never once crossed my mind that she was the one I was supposed to give the money to, but the Lord made it very clear that that's who he wanted me to give it to.
2: So um, I prayed and uh, was led to make a donation towards a scholarship program for summer camp for the kids. Um, which is fun, and we've actually taken advantage of that in the past. Um, so it feels nice to give back. But also the surprising thing in my heart was that God revealed to me that even with a simple act of faith and obedience, I can swing so quickly to self-righteousness and arrogance. Um, and it just really humbled me to see how quickly my, uh, the enemy can change my mind. And now I think it's all about me and how great I am and forget so easily that that it's only because of Jesus that this is possible. I drive for uh, Uber and Lyft, and this week I got the envelope with a $10 bill, and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know immediately who I gave it to. Throughout the week, I meet a lot of people. I just said, God, just put somebody in my car. And he did. And this lady coming out of this leasing office at her apartment, she's looking for a new place to stay because she's going through a lot right now. She's going through a divorce, uh, just got a car accident, just got diagnosed with diabetes. I was taking her back to her place and she asked me to stop by a grocery store and so she can pick up her special dietary food because she cannot swallow hard food either. So just small yogurt. And I was just throwing ideas like we can go to this place, we can check out this place. She's like, no, I'm a strict budget. I cannot go around too much. So by the time I was like, okay, this is the chance. So I log out of the uh, app. So I just decided, I'm going to give you a free ride. And she's like, no, no, don't do that. This is your making your living. This is the way you're living. I so said, no, this is God put me on my heart. And also this week we're on a mission. We're supposed to uh, help people in need. And I got this envelope. I didn't specify the amount to her. And can I use that money to buy your yogurt? And hand her the ten dollar bill, and she's like, "You're not doing that. You're not pulling my leg. You're not. You doing this with your money?" It's like, "No, no, no. I got this money from the church, and my church is giving this away to you."
3: Yeah. So my kids and I were giving envelopes, and. Um, when we got home before we looked in the envelope, my son was like, well, Hey, can we match this? Whatever's in it? Can we match it? And I'll be honest. I was a little bit nervous. Cause I was like, what if we all got fifties? I can't match that. But, uh, but we didn't. Um, and so, and, but before we looked at the envelopes, I said, okay, well let's match that. And we'd been praying about it for a while and we decided we wanted to give to, um, some single moms that we knew. Um, and the kids really wanted to give them Chick-fil-A gift cards. Well, I went to go get the Chick-fil-A gift cards, and they didn't sell the denomination that I needed. They uh, only had increments higher, and so I didn't. I didn't, um, didn't want to go lower, and and I just felt like, okay, I I just I really just need to be obedient. I don't know where this money is going to come from. It, I just need to be obedient, and so we went with the denomination higher to give to these ladies. Um, but doing so my budget was short enough to where we were going to have to cut something out and that thing that we were going to have to cut out was going to be my son my son's trip to um to the fifth and sixth grade retreat coming up and i didn't want to tell him no and i was sad and i was trying to figure out how to make it work um and saturdays i'm sitting down and i'm trying to figure out what i can rearrange in my budget etc to make that happen for my son i checked the mail and uh and Tim and Sally had felt it on their heart to send me their gift. And it was the exact amount that I needed to be able to send my son. Uh, so, so I just, for me, it just showed how faithful God is and, and, and just how he loves us.
0: Now I want you to see that and I, wanna, I want you to hear me when I say this. That's the normal Christian life. It's like we might go, oh, that was neat. Let's, let's do it again next year with something else. And no, 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 that's the normal Christian life. Let me ask you a question. What do you have that God has not given you? I, I've not given you any money today, but I don't know, whatever money's in your pocket right now, is it yours ultimately? See, that's God's, and so the Christian life is being sensitive to the leading of the Spirit and recognizing God's own everything, and not just money, but my talents and gifts. And going, God, where do what's the need you want me to meet? Where's the place you want Jesus to show up in this person's life? Forget the money, y'all. It was thirty-five thousand dollars given, and, and we, I said that unapologetically, and I knew this. We did that would become three hundred fifty thousand dollars because many of you have said to me, "I'm going." And broke because now I'm giving my own money. You know, I'm adding to the money to it. And that's the point is generosity begets generosity, but forget the money and just hear what they said. The Holy Spirit said to me, she's the one. I just sensed the Spirit saying, I had to get up out of my chair and run her down because God said she's the one. and I, That's the normal Christian life. I mean, sensitive to the spirit who lives in us and choosing active faith to act on it. I mean, the money was just to get us going, you know? I sit up here at this park on uh, Sundays when I'm here at Franklin Teaching because I'm there usually very early and I'll spend a couple hours there just going over my notes, whatnot, in the park up here. Um, and uh, this morning I'm sitting there and thank goodness it was light. You know, it wasn't dark because this would sort have of totally freaked me out. But I'm sitting there and someone taps on my window on the opposite side, thank goodness. And uh, I look up and there's a guy standing there. I roll down the window and he says, man, I, I just saw you sitting here and um, I, I, just, I just felt like the Lord was saying something to me because I think, are you a pastor? Or you, you look like you're studying." And I said, you know, I am. And he said, well, I just want to pray for you. And I said, hallelujah, man, pray for me. And he prayed for me. And, and I asked his name, we introduced ourselves. And he said, and I said, man, thank you so much. He said, well, I don't want to interrupt your study. And I said, I said, listen, you just did more for me than two hours of study would do. And then he walked away. Praise God, this guy came up and did that. Now, think about that. He was just, listening to the spirit and he took a risk and tapped on my window and said, what if I would have said, no man, I'm reading a magazine, quit bothering me. Well, you know what? God would have had something in that for him. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going, he took a risk and he stepped out in an act of faith. Wow. And so did all of you, even as we invested that money. You know, at the same time we did that, just a little week, a week later, I invited a couple up here to speak, Greg and Allison Balmer couple in their late 30s, little kids. They, uh, Greg went to Harvard graduate school and while they were there, uh, it turned out to be a graduate training he never expected and God turned their world upside down. What I mean is he went there to learn how to make more money. He got there and found out God owns it all and generosity is gonna move from something he and Allison believed to something he and Allison were owned by and could not escape. And I know it made some people uncomfortable but they shared really vulnerably about their financial life. They just said this, you know, it's all God's anyways. And they shared that. Uh, Before I ever asked them to share, they had made a gift to the church and said, this is for people who are thinking about adoption and need to take the next step, you know, not the 20th, but just the next one. And finances are often an obstacle. I said, use this money for that. Marty Sweeterman, our children's pastor said, wow, if they're doing that, then we wanna give to that. And he took funds from an I choose you Fund that many of you give to to help people with adoptions. He added it to that. Another family said, Well, gosh, if they're giving, I want to give. You know what Greg Balmer said? Remember he said, Generosity begets generosity begets generosity. So we end up with $115,000 cash. And I stood in front of you that Sunday and said, There's $115,000 available to anyone who just wants to take the next step in adoption and finances are holding you up. 14 families said, I wanna take the next step. I want you to know, as of today, seven are still in the process. The other seven, it's not wrong to step in. It's all about taking the next step. And then God might move you off that and might keep you going. We don't know. uh, Seven families continuing in that process. Now, what I didn't know when all that happened, I have no control of what the bombers do. What Marty does, what this other family does. There was another family in our body who a year earlier had begun an adoption process. And I want them to tell their story because their story intersects with this bomber story in ways only God could orchestrate. So Jonathan and Lindsay, come up here and join me. And y'all, this'll be, uh, they, cause we were at Brentwood, Brentwood last week, uh, this will be the fifth time, no three services there, two here. And this little girl has been amazing the whole time. It's fascinating. Uh, Jonathan, we've got a picture of your family up here. I'm just going to interview them and let them tell you their story. I'll start with letting you introduce the family.
4: Sure. As Lloyd said, I'm Jonathan Hayes. This is my, you know, just truly amazing wife, Lindsay. And if you're looking at our photo up there, on the left is our oldest. Her name is Delia. She's five. Uh, Beside her is our next, um, her name is Melina, and we adopted her internationally from Ethiopia. She's three and a half. Uh, Just under Lindsay is our second youngest. That's Zadie, and she turned two earlier this month. And then Who I'm holding and who Lindsay's holding now uh, is our youngest, and we adopted her uh, domestically. Uh, Her name is Avery, and when we brought her home, she was six days old.
0: And I want, Lindsay, I want you to pick up the story. I said they started, they, they were in a process of adopting her a year before the events I'm talking about. So go back to the beginning and tell us what was going on.
5: Yeah, um, after we adopted our daughter Melina from Ethiopia, we kind of always knew that we wanted to do it again. Um, and mostly just because it was such a blessing to see God work in someone else's life right in front of your eyes. Um, And she just blessed our family so much and we kind of had always had that on our hearts to do it again. Um, And so, you know, international adoption wasn't an option this time around for us. So we started the domestic process about a year prior to um, the bomber sharing. Um, But then right, kind of a a few weeks Maybe like the week before, they shared we had heard from our agency, "Hey, we think it's going to be a little while, so settle in." Um, you know, we thought it might happen sooner, but we were thinking it's going to take a while, so we were kind of in the process of just settling into the wait.
0: So now they're 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 selling into the wait of this, okay? Where they're going to wait, and the church we're doing what we do, right? And these people are giving this money, and uh, the 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 wait becomes a Uh, you don't need to wait so long. So they get a phone call from their agency. And Lindsay also gets a phone call from Connie Dunlop, who works with Marty. She's on her team and coordinates adoptions and foster care stuff. So she gets two phone calls that, that changed their world in a really short amount of time. I want you to tell, tell that.
5: Yeah, so we've um, we've had a relationship with Marty and Connie through the adoption ministry here at Fellowship, which is just phenomenal and has just truly blessed our family. And so um, when we heard about the money originally, we were thinking we were about $8,100 short of our full amount that we needed. And with domestic, we needed that full amount before we could be matched with a baby and move forward. Um, but we kind of heard about the money and thought, we would rather there, you know there are so many families that maybe haven't taken that first step yet. And so our first thought was, well, we would rather that be what made the difference for a family that was maybe on on the fence to take that step of faith. Um, but since we knew Marty and Connie, they we kind of had seen them in passing, and they kind of had said, "Hey, we're going to reach out to you um, and just kind of like get a little more info on your situation. And so, um, about a week after the bombers spoke, Connie called us and said, hey, how short are you guys? And we said, well, we're about 8,100 short. And she said, well, consider it done. And then we said, well, actually, today we got a phone call that there's a baby born yesterday. And her birth mom chose us. And so it was just so timely.
0: So. That's the amazing thing is the timing on this is it not and so that day they get the 8100 dollars Connie says it's done you got to have all 30 40000 in these adoptions for mm-hmm. domestic so you got to have it all so they had it all and it was that day that the adoption agency calls and says a baby's born you know there's some struggle in this as many of you have done this before know that you know the next call was hey you need to wait because there's a revocation period so they waited and then they get a call on Friday it's done, come get the baby tomorrow. So you get the call on Friday, you drive down Saturday and you pick up your baby. And this one, what this child, uh, this adoption was an open adoption. And, and, and Jonathan had some, God had some work to do in his heart related to even that. And I want you to share that, Jonathan.
4: Sure. Yeah, um, you know, open adoption for me has always been um, just kind of a fearful issue. Uh, Lindsay and I had had conversations about this, and, and I say conversations, but they really ended up being you know arguments that would grow into bigger arguments because there's such a fear that goes back to how. Um, just a little bit of my family history. I was adopted when I was five by my father now, and I never had the the opportunity to have a, a good relationship with my biological father. You know, I hadn't seen him since I think I was four and a half, and my mother remarried. And so that fear inside of me was just, yeah, you know, had just been growing my entire life. And so going into adoption, you know, I, I was holding, you know, Melina and Avery just so close, and they are both just gifts from the Lord, you know, as we said, what has God put in our lives that, that, you know, that is truly ours and not his first and every single one of our daughters is God's first. And so the Lord, you know, worked in my life, you know, through prayer and, um, just really led me to, instead of holding, you know, these gifts, these beautiful daughters like this to just start to open my arms a little bit and, and give Avery fully and our daughters, uh, just to God. Um, and of course, God would want Avery to have every single possible relationship uh, in her life that, that was positive. And so, you know, that, that transformation, that, that, that process just, just had to happen for me.
0: And so you meet the mom and next thing you know, you guys are pretty open. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. It went from this to just full 180 by the end, and she is such a strong woman. Um, But by the end of the conversation, just the the rapid speed that Lindsay and I just you know whipped out our phones and we're giving her our phone numbers, our emails. You know, just you know, do you want pictures? Do you want to stop by and see us? This is where we live. Um, It was just you know, I never thought that I would that that the mother would be the hesitant one (laughs) in in this process. Always always thought that it would be Mm -hmm. me, uh, and it just wasn't that way.
0: Well, when I asked Jonathan. Lindsay Lindsay to share like many of you would say they said we don't really have a story and I said no you do have a story and it and it's not yours it, it's not even yours to hold in a sense and Lindsay made that clear to me she said "Lord, you know this is God's this is what God has done and I want you to talk to that Lindsay as we wrap up here just about yes. it's God's story
5: yeah that was our just natural reaction was kind of like we don't really know what we would we would say um, but it is just, again, it's just been so neat to see what God has done in her life and how he's already shaping our hearts through it um, as well. So we really did want him to kind of be the hero of the story. Um, but in in my heart, particularly just in the last uh, couple months of her being home, it's been, again, so timely that we've been talking about prayer and really leaning on the spirit. Um, and mostly because this time around this adoption, um, knowing that her birth mom chose us to be her parents was so humbling because, you know, she's she's picking based on pictures of our family and just kind of a letter that we've written and that kind of stuff. Um, but it, my immediate reaction was, oh my goodness, this is, it feels like such a lofty goal to live up to the kind of mom that she's going to be hoping for, for her child, um, and so really, that's kind of just where I've been sitting these last few weeks of just my heart desire of saying, I really want to be walking in step with the Spirit because I, I cannot be the mom that she really needs by myself. So, um, so yeah, it's been great, great timing that that's what we've been really talking about here
0: at church too. I told you to be a little bit of a different service. I want to invite you to stand because we're gonna respond. Jonathan and uh, Lindsay, you can stand as well. And in your standing, I want, I want them to know we stand with them. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. And I'm gonna pray a prayer. And then out of that prayer, we're gonna respond with a, with a praise, with a thank you, God, that you work in so many ways as we trust you. And so I want you to bow your heads with me and pray. Oh, High King of Heaven, we find ourselves on holy ground once again. Because in this story that Jonathan and Lindsay share, your faithfulness and their faith have met, and life is the result. Life in them and life in us as we hear the story. And the life that Lindsay holds in her arms, in Avery. And it makes us mindful that all of us are born lost. We are born away from home. We are orphans. And only because of your good pleasure, your love for us, you rescued us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus In Christ we're set free from sin's penalty of death and we have come to know what Avery truly feels in her soul right now though she's years from being able to articulate it and that is she now knows I have a home and we know in Jesus in my father's house there's a place for me I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Amen.